the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Here we are, y'all. It's another Friday. And it's the Worldview Media Podcast. We're just back from our hunting trip in Wyoming. <laughs> what were we hunting? <laughs> <laughs> Took out some wolves and some uh, mountain lions. Not the mountain some lions. Bears. Did a lot of snowmobiling. Uh, it's that time of year. My name is Gordon Runyon. I'm your host. And across from me in our... Uh, in our uh, 25th century studios. <laughs> it's the wife of my youth, Joyce Runyon. Hello. We're glad you downloaded this podcast or you're listening or whatever. Of, uh, <laughs> However you got here. <laughs> right. Worldview Media Podcast. The most frivolous podcast on Reconstructionist Radio Network. That really does make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get a lot of time to be frivolous, so it's good when we can just do it and own it and, and be okay with it. Anyway, it's Friday, and this is Reconstructionist Radio Network, your one-stop shop for all your dominionizing needs. Ah, uh, there we go. Got it out of the way. And we are talking about the movie Wind River. Mm-hmm. We saw this on Netflix I think it might be a Netflix movie. I don't think it is a Netflix movie. What year is it from? It's pretty from recent. 2017. Okay, this 2017 movie stars all your favorite Marvel superheroes. I know, isn't that nice? <laughs> Some familiar faces for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. But if you're familiar with the Marvel Universe... Uh, Hawkeye Jeremy Renner yep. is the main star. The Scarlet. Scarlet Witch. Her actual name is what? Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen is not here. That's how I know No, her. no. I'm saying what's the actress's oh, name? Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. And we also have the Punisher from the Netflix Marvel Universe, John Bernthal, also from Walking Dead fame. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't ever watch The Walking That's Dead. That's right. Yeah. I have standards. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good in The Walking Dead. Uh, who is he? Well, he's a survivor in The Walking Dead, <laughs> and he... Uh, he before the zombie apocalypse happens, he's is he uh, like a police officer? Or something? Yeah, and he's the partner of the main guy, the main hero, of The Walking Dead. So, so what is his name? Uh, Shane. Shane. Oh, he's not one Dead. of the Earls, Carl's girl. No, 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 no. Harold. <laughs> I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> no. I think I did see the very first one. And he, sure was he was in that, and his wife was in the hospital. Rick Rick Grimes' wife. Oh, it was Rick. Was, I was thinking it was him. Okay. No. Well, anyway, let's get back yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so Wind River is a story about Jeremy Renner 
who is playing the part of a Game and Fish Warden, is that right? Um, A veteran tracker with the Fish and Wildlife Service. And anyway, the job that we see him doing is mostly on an Indian reservation in Wyoming. And he... The service that he provides is that he keeps the predator population down because they have things like mountain lions that come and kill the cattle and stuff that are owned by the Indians on their reservation. And he's really good at his job. He's very competent. Uh, Well, I'll just tell the story here. So he, out on one of his trips, he runs across a dead body of an Indian girl. Mm -hmm. Out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And so he he's then required the the reservation authorities are required to call in the FBI because every murder on a Indian reservation is a federal crime and not a state crime like normal yeah. murders and so the Scarlet Witch comes in and she's the she's the lead FBI person the well FBI she's the closest agent. FBI she person. happened to be the closest right and so they sent her and it becomes apparent right away that she's kind of out of her element dealing with the weather in yeah. Idaho. It's extremely cold, minus 20 at night, and, and a ton of snow. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know how to navigate the Native American culture there or the politics of the reservation. Yeah. And so she's really pretty lost. And she asks Jeremy Renner's character... What's his character's name? Tim? No. Corey. Corey. Corey Lambert. So she begs him to help her, and he mm-hmm. does. And so it's really kind of a murder mystery investigation, yeah. kind of a crime drama. Well, and just when they go and he discovers the body and she's there and he says, okay, this is what happened. Yeah. And I can tell you how she died, why she died. And yeah, he's very much a tracker, and he can tell by just looking at the ground and the snow, and he can tell a lot about what happened there. And like I say, he, the <clears throat> word I would use to describe him is just extremely competent. Whatever needs to be done, he can do it, and, yeah. and he's awesome at it and all that. His character is very low-key, kind of a strong, silent type, would rather not talk to you kind of stereotypical in that way, although they really kind of threw a curve, I felt like. Mm. Because there's a Netflix original series that we've talked about on here called Longmire, or I talked about it a long time ago. (laughs) And it's, it's not set in exactly the same place, but it is in Wyoming, and the lead character in Longmire is a sheriff who is also strong, silent type who really doesn't like people and doesn't like talking to them. And yeah. he's ridden with all sorts of personal guilt and stuff like this that makes him hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Renner's character kind of strikes you at first as maybe the same type of character. But actually, he turns out to be... In his own way, not in a flashy way, but he turns out to be a little bit more outgoing than you would expect from that type of character. Seems to me. You know, he's uh, 
when it comes time for him to share what his big burden is and what he feels so guilty about, yeah, he's pretty free with that, and he'll talk about it. And to me, I felt like that was a little bit of a departure because at first his character was looking fairly stereotypical. Mm-hmm. But then you find out, oh, the FBI lady doesn't need to cajole him or... or Ask she doesn't need to beg to get his help. He's willing to help, and, yeah. Uh, and he's not super closed off emotionally. Now he doesn't show a lot of emotions, but he's not. Well, I don't think he just goes and you know bleh, no, tells no. everybody everything all the time. No, no, he's not an open book, but. He looks initially like he's going to be one of these guys that's mm-hmm. very closed off, and yeah. turns out he's really not. It's just, he's not going to volunteer a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, to me that was a little bit of a departure. And so anyway, most of the story is them investigating this murder of this Indian girl on the reservation, and uh, then it kind of culminates as they're discovering and as the clues are leading them to the bad guys and all that. Finally, John Bernthal's character comes in Mm -hmm. and his one scene is a big old flashback scene, like the night of all the bad stuff happening. Yeah. And he winds up getting in a fight there that looked like it came out of the Punisher. (laughs) (laughs) If you're familiar with the Punisher series. Yeah. He was the Punisher in that scene. You know, the way he was fighting. He wasn't as successful as the Punisher always is. But that was him. Even sounded like him. He kind of growled like he does in the Punisher and stuff. Well, I guess that's just who he is. Yeah. Maybe he's not He's not acting. He really growled. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh... So he's it. It was just kind of interesting. The movie was advertised as starring, you know, in part he's one of the stars, John Bernthal, and he's mm-hmm. there for one scene. And uh, I mean, it was a it was a really important scene, and it was disturbing, and yeah. and it was pivotal. Mm-hmm. But it was one scene, which I thought was kind of interesting. And so. The other thing about the movie is that it's extremely slow-paced. Yeah, it is. Until you hit that scene. Yeah. Until it gets towards the end. And and then, man, things take off. And uh, I didn't think it was too slow-paced. I kind of appreciate that. I don't know if I'm getting old or what, (laughs) but... I've gotten, don't where, know, huh? I've gotten to where I've gotten to where. Let me rephrase that. I don't know if it's because I'm getting old that I that I kind of appreciate the slower build. And to me, I felt like that made it all work for me. That they took their time getting to the mm. really pivotal stuff, and then once that takes off, man, it's a roller coaster from then yeah. on, and. And I felt like the ending was really satisfying, and yeah. So well, I for think me, there's it all character worked. development in that as it yeah. goes along, and you kind of see a little bit more depth to the character, and you learn more about the girl that died. You learn yeah. more about her family. You see some things about the culture on the reservation, and and so it is a little bit slower, but they're bringing to light some other things that 
are important as you go along the way. Yeah. Well, I think that's why the once it did pick up, that's why it mattered. Because by that time you were kind of invested. And so it didn't start out as this big action deal or anything. Uh, man, but those the last act was really satisfying, I thought. And, uh, and kind of unexpected and surprising. And so I felt like... I felt like they did everything right. Yeah. Now, so Jeremy Renner's, Jeremy Renner's character is kind of an old school hero. You know, he's just, I've said it, used the word, but that's it. He's eminently competent. What mm-hmm. needs to be done, he can do it. And he doesn't get super riled up or emotional about it. He just does what needs to be done. And that's the kind of hero that he is. Uh, Meanwhile, then this FBI agent played by Elizabeth Olsen, she comes in and she's out of her element, obviously. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she wound up being a weak character. I mean, you're a woman. (laughs) Thanks for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Well spotted. (laughs) Did you feel like her character was weak or was she a strong woman? I think she got thrown into something that she wasn't expecting and that probably whoever sent her wasn't expecting for her to be involved with. I think she um, she adapted fairly quickly. Uh, she realized that there were some assets around her that she could use, and she, she did. She said, hey, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And, you know, I think she tried to do things probably the way she was trained to do things. You know, we have to go and investigate and talk to people and... And uh, was a little surprised at what she found when she was going through the the normal procedures. Go and meet the family, talk to the parents, see what they can tell you. And uh, then just saying, oh, okay, (laughs) this is uh, not normal. (laughs) I need somebody else's help to do this. And and did that. And not only with um, the guy from the game department with Wildlife, but even with the standing sheriff that was there um you know she was she was smart about what she did yeah i think my point was that she i felt like she was a she herself was competent she was out of her element Mm -hmm. but i feel like she she was portrayed as knowing what she's a good officer she's a good agent she knows what to do it's just yeah she's in a weird place yeah just the the situation of everything. Right. And so I don't feel like she was a weak character at all. No. But what they did is she's not... She's this tiny little girl. She probably weighs 115 pounds soaking wet. And they didn't feel a need to show her in hand-to-hand combat beating up 200-pound guys. or You know, she was a strong female character... Without having to be like a man. Yeah. You know, and there was never a time where Jeremy Renner's character needed her to come and save him. You know, he was never the damsel in distress that then she had to come and save. And and that's really kind of bucking the modern trend as our friends over at the Agents of the Silver Screen are wont to point out, and rightly so. And so... I thought it was. A, I thought a lot of that was really good. 
and some of the storytelling was a little bit surprising to me. Like I said, some of the character development is more than what you get in most movies. Yeah. Uh, the one warning that I would have, it, the pivotal scene is a rape scene. And it's not as graphic as it could be. Yeah. But, but it know. is very violent. Yeah. And it is... Uh, well, that's it. It's a very violent rape scene at the end, the, or at the pivotal moment in the story. Mm -hmm. And so that's just something to keep in mind. And then some violence does flow after that. But in the end, when the bad guy gets what he had coming to him... Mm -hmm. I just felt like that was really satisfying in terms of storytelling and and the way it was done. I don't want to give it away and all that, but the mm -hmm. way it was done, just it fit to me watching it. I was saying, oh, yeah, that's the way it should work out. And I was, I was happy with it. I came away from it saying, oh, good, that worked out the way it should have worked out. How did you feel about any of that? I don't know. Do we have laws? <laughs> Do we have uh, procedure? Do we have, you know... You're upset because it didn't, like, go through due process. Well, there should be... And part of me is like, you know, yeah, you do that. And then what happens if you just do the regular channels of, okay, now you go, you get booked, we got to find evidence, we got to do this, we got to do that. I mean, the guy was clearly guilty of a lot of stuff. I mean, not just with this one girl, but with a lot of stuff after that. And, uh, you know, did he deserve what he got? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. But was it the the guy's job to do that. <laughs> it almost had a vigilante sort of Well and then there's the scene between him and, and and he knows the family. He knows this girl. He knows the parents. He knows yeah. the family. And the dad was saying, Hey, you gotta do what's right. Yeah. And he told him, I'll do what's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so right. you know, I think he did. But that's that's the thing between him and that dad. Nobody else knows what the deal is. Nobody else knows what happened, and probably nobody else will ever find out. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It would be a long time before anybody gets up on that mountain where they were. So, but is that, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, we're probably getting into worldview stuff. So. But what was your overall take on the thing? It was a better movie than I probably thought, especially yeah. from the beginning with the, you know, the, I think the opening scenes, you see this girl just running in yeah. the middle of the night and from freezing kind cold. Of weird poem. Yeah, she's, she's got <laughs> right. like a, a parka and I don't even think she's wearing... Bare feet. Yeah, bare feet, like not even a jean. And you just see her running and then you see her collapse yeah. and you're like... Uh, <laughs> and there is, there's a weird poem, I don't even remember what the poem was about, but, um, 
it was kind of a weird start yeah, to it. it and then even after that, they didn't come back to that scene right away. Right. Because then the wildlife guy gets called out, and he goes and he sees people, and, you know, it was just, it was kind of an odd start. I did like the movie, though. I probably, I would say, hey, if you got time, you you know, this would yeah. be worth a view. Well, I probably won't watch it again. <laughs> no, I won't watch it again, but I would say if you're... Looking if, for something on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, if you're in Netflix and you're looking for a movie. And you're not going to watch anything with kids. Right. Probably young kids don't need to see it, but... You and your honey can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. That's the kind of movie you want to watch. <laughs> no, uh, well, I, I guess I liked it better than you did. I felt like the storytelling was better than average. Yeah. Considering well, it was. what we usually get. It was a good story. There was a beginning, a middle, and an end. And like I say, I was very satisfied with the resolution. I thought it was exactly even and it was what needed to happen. <laughs> it was you know. even. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was Lex Talionis. It was exactly it was exactly what needed to happen. And uh so I felt really happy about that, and, and so I, I thought it was good. You got to make it through a rough, a rough scene or two there at the end, but that's part of that's part of the story as well. It's part of the journey, understanding the whole picture. Right. Yeah. All right, you ready to? Are you done with giving our general outlook on this? I think I'm done. You're done. All right. <laughs> Well, we'll be right back after our break. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts, where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. Hey, it's us, Worldview Media Podcast. Took a quick trip to Jackson Hole, where all the billionaires play Mm. up in Wyoming. It's pretty. It is pretty. (laughs) Now we're back to talk about uh, more worldview sorts of issues, uh, morals and meanings and themes in Wind River. 
So you kind of mentioned one before we took our break, and you were talking about the fact that uh, kind of at the end, the justice that's meted out kind of borders on being vigilante justice. It kind of goes sideways in terms of we're not following the law here. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. But then this is Indian land, and so things don't quite work (laughs) yeah i was just thinking in terms of the story and the whole backdrop of you're on this reservation and it's particularly uh poignant in terms of you know the native americans who are there they're in that state now i'm not absolving them because a lot of them made horrific choices and stuff like that and and so i'm not absolving them but the the breakdown of the family and stuff that has happened on Indian reservations is laid squarely at the doorstep of the United States federal government. Mm. Stupid policies, unbiblical yeah. policies that have been foisted on reservations that anybody with half a brain could see. You're going to destroy Indian families yeah. with these policies and that's exactly what has happened and what were those policies hey show up at the government agency every month and you can right and we'll hand you you a check here we'll do this for you but if you leave (laughs) right you'll be peaceful yeah just follow the rules and we'll give you a check that allows you to live at subsistence level yeah. You'll never improve your lot or anything, but we'll give you enough so that you can afford to, uh, whatever, drink all day or whatever you want to do. Yeah. And and surprise, surprise, it's destroyed the Indian family. Yeah. And so, at some point, uh, you got to kind of understand it if the Native Americans feel like they can't look to the United States federal government to be the arbiter of justice. Yeah. And so I was all right with the, <laughs> with the good guys in the story actually making sure that real justice took place. That was okay with me. But I'm a little bit of a rebel these days, I guess. <laughs> Is that growing well, old that does that to me? I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't know I think I've been on the planet that. long enough that I'm just angry. I'm, I'm ready to see... Well. The, I think the sad part of it is that we we don't provide justice yeah. to so many of our families who suffer a loss like that, who have a family member that's murdered by anyone. Right. Because the rights of the perpetrator outweigh those of the victim. Sure. So there is the due process, and then there are appeals, and then there are more appeals, and there are more appeals... And it's not even like there's a lack of evidence right. or there's a lack of of foundation to what happened. Right, it's right. just the process. And so the process has become the the goal and not and not justice. Right. And that reminds me, I was just seeing a story about a guy who molested his grandchild granddaughter when she was like under three or something and so they figure it out and he's guilty and he's going to jail for 15 years or something. And everybody involved 
what struck me is they're all talking like, well, when he gets to prison, those other prisoners are going to, they're going to make sure he gets what's coming to him. And, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to rape him and, and make his life a living hell for 15 years while he's in there. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we've come to. That the system is so divorced from justice and from the righteousness of God that even when we get a criminal dead to rights, mm-hmm. we're down to the point of hoping that the other criminals in the prison will enforce some kind of actual justice. Yeah. And and that's what gives victims some kind of hope. Well, he'll be in there with these other guys. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll pay him back somehow. Yeah. Now, the payback they were going to give him is, that's not just either, you know. Yeah. But because we won't do the righteous thing and just put those sorts of people to death immediately, yeah. now that just opens a can of chaos. And, and you can't get real justice anywhere. Yeah. Uh, one of the themes that I saw that I felt like was repeated, if I had to pick out a main theme, this movie was surprisingly a lot about how we deal with loss mm-hmm. and grief. Yeah. And there was a lot of that in there. And yeah. I was kind of, like I say, I was kind of surprised. That's not a big topic that movies pick up on. Yeah. Especially and not have their characters talk seriously about it. Now, none of the characters in the movie are talking from a biblical worldview, but they are trying to address the topic seriously. Mm-hmm. And not just platitudes and yeah. stuff like that. And and it's real grief that they're dealing with. You know, I don't think um, it's being played off lightly or, you know. Right. So it, that's good, too, that it's, you know, it's very serious. Yeah. Well, and then some of the advice that's given is, I think, really terrible advice. It's not. You know, it's not biblical at all, and and it's not going to help you. At one point, one of the good guys, I forget if it's Jeremy Renner's character or one of his Native American friends, but they're talking about how to deal with the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. And at some point, they kind of settle on this idea that the the more that you embrace the pain of the loss... And the more that you will just live with that pain, that that in itself is honoring to the one that you've lost. And it seemed to me like they were saying, the longer that you live in active grief mm-hmm. and suffering, that that's, that's morally better. You know? I don't think that was the, the meaning of it. And it was... Renner's character that said that because he also lost right an older child as well and I think when you lose a child that you have options of how do we address this person who's not here anymore right because everything else goes on and yeah. and that doesn't and so if you if you don't say yeah we lost a child and that's sad right. Right. and we miss this person then if you just try to shut that off and back, then you don't have the opportunity to say, oh, you remember when. Yeah. And so and I think that's more what he was saying, that you have a choice 
somewhat about how you deal with that. Do you right. accept that, yeah, this person was here, they were part of my family, and now they're not here and I miss them. Yeah, right, right. But there's still a lot of good things involved with that. And so if you just completely shut it off and shut it down, you don't even have those good memories anymore. Right. And I think that's really what he was trying to tell the dad through his own experiences as well. Well, And it is completely unbiblical. But <laughs> they... How else do you deal? Yeah, right, right. You have no hope. You're right. You have no hope for anything better, for anything <laughs> more. Right, right. And so your grief is all-consuming because there yeah. is nothing right. else. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I walked away thinking a little bit differently than that. I mean, I know they did talk about that, and that did seem to be the issue about what do you do with these emotions? They're genuine they're mm -hmm. real, but they're extremely painful, and in the moment, they don't seem like they're terribly helpful either. Yeah. And they don't, you know, if I cry or don't cry, it doesn't bring my loved one back, and I feel more miserable when I'm crying. And so <laughs> the the father who lost the murder victim, that was his daughter, his initial response was that he's going to be this stoic figure and just not allow himself to show any of those emotions mm -hmm. and so jeremy renner's character is is kind of saying what what you said he said that uh, you that's not going to work you're going to bottle these things up but they're going to leak out somewhere mm -hmm. it may be in physical illness or something like that you can't bottle those things up they'll leak out and so you actually honor your loved one by going ahead and experiencing those things. I think where it becomes unbiblical, though, uh, is that there is a ditch on the other side. That one that says, no, I'm just not going to do it and I'm going to shut it off. There's a, That's a ditch on one side of that road. But there's a ditch on the other side where you just say, I'm just going to feel what I feel and not really analyze that very much or give any thought to it. I'm just mm -hmm. going to throw myself into it or allow it to sweep me away like a river or something like that. And we can't do that either. Yeah. You've, God did give us emotions, but just like our thoughts are supposed to be regulated by the Word of God, Frankly, our emotions are also supposed to be regulated by the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And that's very difficult to do. I understand that. It's not a magic bullet. But even in the midst of a valley, when we're seriously suffering, we do really need to be able as Christians to sit back and look at what is the emotion that I'm feeling and is, and what would be a better way of dealing with this. And can I... Every thought is supposed to be taken captive. Mm -hmm. and, and just because I'm feeling a thing, that may mean in that it's genuine. And, and that may mean I really do have to work through that. But it doesn't mean that it's automatically good and right because I'm feeling it. You know, I may have to wrestle with it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to wrestle with it. But our emotions in any particular circumstance can't be trusted just to be right because they're there. And that kind of seemed to be the advice that they were settling on. If you're sad, be sad, and that honors your 
your murdered daughter and I don't know. You didn't don't think that's that what it. they were saying? Yeah. I, I thought for sure that's... I came away with that, and I was thinking, oh, man, that ain't right. Well, I think, you know, you're going to be sad. Sure. And, you know, you probably should be sad. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it seems like, you know, that's one extreme, and the other extreme is just like, oh, well, you know, hey, that was going to happen anyway. We're right. all going to die. <laughs> You'll see him again someday, so hey, come on, right. don't be sad, you know. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. <laughs> well, you know, you got to just be happy in the moment because this is where you should be and this is what's going on now and has been foreordained. And so, hey, it's all good. <laughs> right. And, and there's some in between on all of that because right. loss is real and it's true and it hurts. And as a Christian, yeah, you have those promises that... This is not the end, but it may feel like it is. Yeah. And so there's there's a there is that fine line as to what do you do and how do you counsel somebody in that situation. And you know, it's worse when you don't have God. Oh yeah, it's horrific. It's horrific. And so well, I I don't think I'm saying anything different than what you just said. I I just say that there really are ditches on both sides of the road. And you can't shut yourself off from your emotions on the one hand. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you can't let your emotions take you over. Uh, I feel what you feel. I don't know how you can do anything other than that. You know, mm -hmm. feel what you feel. And frankly, you can't... I don't think you can beat yourself up for feeling what you feel. Uh yeah. I think it's easy to get to a place where you think, well, so much time has passed now, I should be over this. And how come I'm still sad? And I think that's a dead end. We can't, I don't think it's right to beat yourself up for realizing, man, even though I know all the right answers, yeah. I still feel this way. Yeah. Well, I think those, and I think fundamentally it has to change you because your life has been changed. Yeah. There's something missing from it. Yeah. But it shouldn't it shouldn't leave you in a place of despair. Right. You know that there's yeah. there is something there and and that's hard. Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's a child that's been lost. Right, for sure. Yeah, there's no real easy answer with that. For real. Uh it reminds me of the story of C.S. Lewis, when his wife died, and by this time he had been a very public uh, spokesman for faith as opposed to atheism. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were issues with his theology, and I'm not... <laughs> You're not going to gloss that? No, we're talking about... <laughs> he, was a, he was a spokesman for Christian faith at one point, and he yeah. lost his wife, and some of the people who were familiar with what he was doing came to him and said, well... It must be a great solace to you to go through this with your faith intact. That must make it a lot easier to deal with. You must feel a lot better. And, and the story goes that he just looked at them like they had two heads and said, uh, Are you kidding me? No, this is horrific. This is terrible. Yeah. And uh, the fact that I have Jesus in my life doesn't mean that I no longer have human emotions. You yeah. know? So... I really appreciated that they were willing to deal seriously about that. And it's not what I was expecting with 
you know, we've got this murder mystery and we're tracking down the mm -hmm. bad guys. And well, and you would you would expect it to be all about revenge. And, <laughs> right. You know, I will find these people right. or this person and I will make sure I will extract my pound of flesh. Right. And so there were some kind of deep issues going on there and, and with him and his family, the wildlife person, you know, because yeah. he also lost... A daughter. Right. And he felt guilty about it. He felt like he was responsible for it. Yeah. Even though he wasn't. He... You know, I don't know if as a parent you always just kind of feel guilty. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I should have done this or I should have done that or why did I do, why was I not yeah, where I, right. where they were, what's going on and yeah, and you, you can't do that either. No, as a parent you're not God. You can't, you can't be omnipresent and, and omnipotent in terms of being able to protect your kids you do the best you can and trust God with the rest but but uh, when it does mess up it's easy to blame yourself yeah. for sure uh, you were talking there it did remind me of a neat line that Jeremy Renner's character had where he realized in the middle of his own grief and and struggling with the loss that his natural reaction was to want to wage war against the world. He was ready to fight everybody mm -hmm. and everything. And then at some point he just realized the world's probably going to win that fight. So, <laughs> so I need to redirect what I'm doing and how I'm thinking. I thought that was a... Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like a great line the way I just said it because I didn't quote it, but that was a good scene where he came up with that. And then... I think we were both struck right at the end. It really wasn't part of the movie, but right before they played the final credits, there was a text up on the screen that I forget exactly what it said, but something like, we have no idea how many young Native American women are missing mm -hmm. or or go missing or mm -hmm. have been found. Yeah. Because apparently those records are not kept. And... Uh, we just don't know what the numbers are. And so the implication was that there's probably a tremendous amount more than we know about. And there well, we are, don't know of any. Right. And and it goes back to what we were saying before, the antipathy that's always been there between the Native Americans on the reservation and the federal government. Mm-hmm. And a large portion of them are just ready to say, y'all just stay out and do your thing and, and we'll do our thing. Yeah. And that's, a, I guess, fairly common. But I think both of us were kind of struck well, by I that. Well, I think that was one question that the FBI agent asked the dad. Why didn't she report her missing? Oh, yeah. You know, what was going on? How come nobody, how come you didn't let anybody know? And his answer, well, she's an adult. Yeah. If she wants to go somewhere, she can, and she doesn't have to tell me about it. <laughs> right. And so, I was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that turned out to be a smokescreen, because when she's asking him about it, he's answering her like she's the federal agent. Well, and she is. But then when Jeremy Renner's character walked in the door, and he had obviously built up a friendship yeah. and a relationship with this guy. He immediately breaks down crying on his shoulder and and uh, yeah so his answer to the woman was 
not so much the answer of this is how Native Americans do this, but it was well, an answer that's, like I don't that's trust the you. government getting involved. And why am I gonna why am I gonna divulge my family information to you? I don't know who you are. I don't yeah. know if you care. And I think that's probably part of the problem with why we don't know who is missing or if anybody <laughs> right. is missing because there's some trust issues there. And I think, oh, when we watched this, we were talking about it and you had said something about how um, Indians don't really have a lot of respect for African Americans. Oh, yeah, right. Because they see their plight as similar and yet... Yeah, well, let me... I was. I wanted to make sure I recommend this book in relation to this movie. But y'all you, need to get a hold of Rush Dooney's book, The American Indian. And one of the things that he points out there, Rush Dooney was a pastor on, on a reservation for years. And Native American culture is not what you see in the movies, mm-hmm. even in Wind River, as good a movie as it was. The depiction of the culture was not accurate mm-hmm. because there's like a right and a left in terms of how movies depict Indian culture. Yeah. And neither one of them are right. <laughs> and one of the things that I was fascinated about that the Indians that Rush Dooney ministered among, they did have this kind of, uh, not resentment, but they kind of looked down on black folks Mm-hmm. And like you said, it was because they saw themselves and the black people as in a parallel sort of argument with the United States federal government. Mm-hmm. Only the Indians would say, hey, we're in our situation that we're in because we fought for our freedom and we lost. And that's this is what happens to losers in a battle like that. And so here's where we are. Yeah. But the black folks came over here and got enslaved. They never did fight for their freedom. And the Indians don't have any respect for that. Yeah. Better to fight and lose and then be in a horrific situation as a result of that. Rather have that than not fight at all. And so a lot of Indians find it hard to respect uh, African Americans because of what they perceive as not mm. being a fighting spirit. Which was not always historically true. There were yeah. there were slave uprisings and stuff like that. Well, I was thinking about that, and I just was reminded of all the, the Negro spiritual songs that we yeah, have. And, right. and I think they were in their situation, and they turned to a different avenue of freedom yeah. than the American Indians did. Well, there was some of that, for sure, but... That was also true among the Indians, though. Rustini was pointing out that by the time he was ministering among them, the the number of Christians among the Indians had gone way down. It used to be much larger than it is. And, mm-hmm. But that's another failure of the church. And You know, you had liberals in there who were thinking, well, should we really be converting them away from their natural yeah. religion? And, kind of stupid. And, right. And so you the need truth to get, only applies to some cultures. <laughs> right. And you do, need, you do need to get this book just because of what it documents in terms of the government's programs that were set up to try to help the Native Americans mm-hmm. have manifestly destroyed them. Mm-hmm. And Well, I think you see that in our welfare system. It, that's exactly it. The very things that destroyed the Indians on the reservation 
all of our voters are calling for those things. We want more of that mm-hmm. for us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I didn't call for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, me either. Yeah, so get that book, y'all, The American Indian by Rush Dooney. It's fascinating, especially if you liked... If you've listened to Reconstructionist Radio's audio presentation of Joel McDermott's book on the problem of slavery in Christian America, if that has tended to open your eyes like it has with me, you'll really enjoy this book on the American Indian. Uh, There's kind of some parallels that you will be fascinated by. All right, sister... How are you doing? You ready to be done? I guess. All right. So uh, until next week, y'all, thanks for downloading the Worldview Media Podcast. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Shout <laughs> out. <laughs> until Not as next much time. laughing this time. It was too serious. Too serious a topic. <laughs> right. It was a again. serious topic. All right, y'all. Until next Friday, put on the full armor of God and. Take a stand. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.